Welcome to the Clear Choices Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Eigner, and it is my unique privilege to bring you intriguing conversations with people who have made the bold choices necessary to elevate their lives and create a positive impact on the world. By hearing their stories, I hope you walk away more motivated and more inspired to do the same in your life. Because we all have choices to make. My goal is to help inspire you to make more conscious and powerful choices, clear choices. Now let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Clear Choices. I once again have a spectacular guest that I'm so excited to introduce to you. Her name is Melanie Brown. She's been married for 26 years. She lives in Georgia. She has two adult sons and an amazing pedigree. She has a master's degree in special education with 17 years in public and private education and three years of private tutoring. She's been also a writer for 15 plus years. She's put out several educational workbooks that have been published, and she's currently writing a nonfiction book related to her concept, the concept which brings her here to our show today, and it's called The Overcomer Ministry. It's very similar in, uh, I feel like, a kinship with the clear choices concept. Uh, We have a a very similar idea on what we want to bring to our audiences. And so that really attracted me to having her on the show today. But the Overcomer Ministry is really taking stories of of significant challenge that women uh, particularly have overcome and sharing those stories through podcasts and, and written word and on her website so that those who are feeling a challenge in their life can be inspired by others. Her website is melaniebrown.com, and now she has a podcast called Zigzag and One, and she's starting her second season. Melanie, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, and may I say, it was great to meet you the other day on the phone, because yes, you're right, we do have so much in common with what we're doing with our podcast. So I've really been looking forward to this. Yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you here. And I, uh, I, lo- I love what you're doing. I listened to several of your episodes in preparation for today, and I, I just love what you're doing. So Melanie, tell me a little bit about what caused you to come up with this overcomers concept. What happened in your life that made this line up for you? Well, I've been through quite the challenges myself. and. It all started when I was two. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had a stroke that paralyzed the left side of my body and freaked my parents out nonetheless. Of course. So the neurologist was very direct with my parents and said they didn't really know what to do with me because I was two and the average age for a person in 1972 to have a stroke is 65 years or older. And clearly I was way far from that age. And so they did do some testing. They couldn't determine why I had a stroke that paralyzed the left side of my body, left me with some residual physical deficits, as well as some mental meaning that um, it affects the way that my brain works. Mm -hmm. And tell me kind of how you progress through that as a you know, young, young child, a young, you know, young girl, and then a young adult? Well, yeah. So it didn't impact me significantly like it does with some people who have strokes. And I think part of that is because I was two and I bounced back, so to speak. 
a, a young person's body is very resilient. But I will say, because I want to make sure that we talk about choices, my parents made a very significant and purposeful choice when I had that stroke. They did not let it define me. Even though I had difficulty with walking and I always, from that point until even today, I have a a limp on my left side because my left side is weaker. Mm -hmm. Uh, They did not allow it to interfere with my life. If I faced a struggle that dealt with physical limitations, they pushed me forward and said, keep trying. You're smart. You're, you're talented, all of those things. So they made a very clear choice for them, but it also impacted me because it gave me a strong overcomer attitude. I didn't want to, as I progressed into elementary, middle, and high school, I didn't want that to be what people knew me for. Oh, that's the girl that had the stroke and, you know, she's different because of it. Uh, It did impact me physically in that I loved basketball, played rec league when I was younger, tried out for the middle school team, and the coach took me aside and said, I'm so sorry, but we can't have you on the team because you can't dribble with your left hand. And that's part of the residual deficits that I have is that the fine motor skills in my left hand are not the greatest. Uh, I can pick things up like a box that are gross motor skills, but I have a very difficult time with fine motor skills even today. Mm-hmm. And, and how did this affect you uh, not not only cognitively, but also like emotionally in terms of like, did you have, you know, were you embarrassed or did you feel other than, different than the other kids? Like how much did it affect your insecurities or not at all? Well, it definitely did because even though other kids would say they didn't know any different, I felt it internally. I felt slower than the rest of the kids. For example, It's kind of an insignificant thing, but I would see the kids going up the main staircase in our high school, and they would go two or three steps at a time. And I have to, even to this day, have to hold on to the rail, and I have to watch both feet, and I have to take one step at a time. And just simple things like that made me feel different. Nobody pointed it out and made fun of me for it. Mm -hmm. It was an internal emotional thing. I see. What would you say has been the gift from all that? I think it's made me a much stronger and resilient person. I know that everybody goes through difficulties. Um, If we continue telling my story, you will see that I've had pretty significant journey with neurological issues. It's not just the one isolated case of the stroke at age two. Mm Mm-hmm. When I progressed into my mid-20s, I started having debilitating migraines that are also Mm. neurological. I would have two or three a week that would put me in the bed. And we started having children when I was 28. And throughout my mid-30s, all that time, I was in the bed constantly. And I was very upset with myself and with the struggles that I had because it made me feel like my boys are going to look back on their childhood and remember their mom in the bed. Right. And that was very frustrating. Yeah, I mean, I can, I, I, I get a migraine maybe, you know, once every three months and they're awful. I can't imagine having them every week. It's, that must've been just agonizing. So part of that time period though, is kind of when I said, okay, these migraines are 
terrible. They are impacting my life significantly, but I made the best of every time that I felt good. So anytime that I felt good, we would do things as a family. We would enjoy spending time with the boys and whatever they were involved in. So there are some very good positives that have come out of this. I have a very keen understanding and compassion for other people who struggle because I get it. Are you still suffering from migraines now today? Uh, not as much. And that's also part of the story. If, if we progress on, uh, right before my 40th birthday, I had a mini stroke and oh. it really took me off guard because I don't remember the stroke that I had at age two and my body on the left side, of course, did not cooperate. It became much weaker than what I normally have as my baseline. Mm -hmm. And it messed up my communication skills. It messed up and exaggerated the reading comprehension part. And a mini stroke is different from a stroke in that it's supposed to be a short-term thing. Usually you get through it in 24 hours. You may have some residual weakness for a couple of days. My residual weakness lasted for six weeks and required physical therapy. So I know it's called a mini stroke, but it felt more in between a mini stroke and a full-fledged stroke. How long did it take you, or did you get back to what your baseline was, or have you now exceeded that? I I did, um, but that started a series of mini strokes. I ended up having four and on the third, right after the third one, I changed to a new neurologist because I had been with the same neurologist since I started having migraines in my mid-20s. And I expressed many times how I felt like the stroke and the migraines were related in the many strokes, all neurological, had to have some connection. And I was dismissed. And so I finally was fed up with it. I changed to a new neurologist and he took it very seriously and said, we're going to change your meds, but if you have one more mini stroke, I'm sending you to the neurosurgeon. Those were scary words to be real honest. Oh, sure. I can only imagine. So did you end up having to see the neurosurgeon at some point? Yeah, unfortunately I did. I made it 15 months after my third mini stroke until my fourth mini stroke. And my neurologist said, you have to see the neurosurgeon. As scary as it was, and this sounds kind of bizarre, I was excited about seeing the neurosurgeon because I felt like I had dealt with so many health issues that were significantly impacting my life that if he had an answer, I wanted to see what he had to say. And so he did some testing. And within 20 minutes, he came back and said, you meet all the requirements for Moya Moya disease. Now, I'm going to spell it because it's a very unfamiliar disease in that it's rare. It is M-O-Y-A, M-O-Y-A. And it is a rare progressive cerebrovascular disease. One in two million people have this disease and primarily Asians. And I'm a white girl, so (laughs) I really don't fit the requirements for it, other than the three characteristics of Moya Moya disease are stroke, mini stroke, and migraines. Mm -hmm. So, of course, I met all three of those. Well, thank God you found this doctor who who had the insight to go down this path. 
Absolutely. And I give him kudos all the time. He is an incredible neurosurgeon. So a few months later, they did uh, an indirect brain bypass and moved a blood vessel from above my right ear into the area of my brain that was not getting blood flow, mm. which is pretty incredible. And it's still amazing to me that, that I went through all of that. And here it is almost four years later, and I feel great. Yes, I do have migraines to answer your previous question because it's a progressive disease. And so it, the brain surgery definitely impacted me in a positive way. It slowed down the progression, but I will always have some issues. So Melanie, tell me now that you've had this procedure four years ago, where's your health compared to where it's been, you know, all the previous years of your life? I would tell you, and I am very excited to tell you that I am in great health right now. I am not experiencing any of the symptoms from the Moya Moya disease other than the occasional migraine. Mm -hmm. The only other thing that is Moya Moya related is that due to all of the neurological hits to my brain, which are considered traumatic brain injuries, mm -hmm. and the, of course, the surgery, I continue to experience fatigue and it is frustrating, but it is something that I am determined that it is not going to let me or take over me. It's not going to deter me from what I want to do in my life. It's a choice that I have made and I almost have to make it daily because there are times when I get through midday and I am just exhausted and I just want to just spend the rest of the day in the bed. And I could if I wanted to, but I'm choosing not to because I have so many things that I'm passionate about I love that, that I don't want to miss out on. I love that. And before, and, and I want to get to those passions, and, but I do have another question uh, from yes. a health, health perspective. What are some of the hacks that you have found that helps you cope with the fatigue or the headaches? I and mean, I'm sure you've, after you know, dealing with this essentially your entire life, um, you know, I'm sure you found some ways like, Hey, when I get a migraine, I do this. When I'm feeling fatigued, I do this. What are some of the things that sort of help you navigate it? Well, this is going to sound like a health show in that it's really about taking good care of yourself. And so that means that I try to eat right. Yes, I have the occasional piece, piece of pizza, but I try to drink a ton of water. I am doing much better with my exercise, which definitely helps. But one of my big things is that I know when I'm really struggling with the neurological part of the, of the disease, I need to get away and I need to have some solitude and some silence and some trees. I absolutely love the mountains. We will go and drive in the mountains and it will do something magical in my body. Uh, so, so that, that mental break of, of solitude in the mountains really helps you reset. It sounds like it, it really does. And it reminds me how good I really do have it. Yes. I struggle occasionally, but, but I have a great life and I have many things to be thankful for. And so it does, it kind of gives me a, a kick in the butt and says, you need to keep going, girl. I love that. I love that. So are you, are your parents still alive today? Yes, they are. And uh, what I'm curious, what is their perspective on how you've evolved and you know, who you are now, given the, 
the challenges you faced at a young age? Well, that's a very interesting question because we talk about this. I wouldn't say frequently because we don't try to focus on the struggles that I have. We we have too many other things to talk about rather than my moya moya and the struggles that I have. But when we do talk about it, I shared probably a couple of years ago with my mom about how I have a difficult time with word retrieval. Mm. And she said, is that new from your mini strokes? And I said, no, it's been there all my life. And she said, I have never noticed. And I said, you may find this funny mom, but I have a huge thesaurus in my head. I can pull up a synonym in a heartbeat when Mm. I am having a difficult time retrieving a word. Mm. And so for that, she, she said, that is totally amazing because when I talk to you, I would never know that given what you've been through, you wouldn't know that that was an issue. It's an amazing coping mechanism. You know, I, I was, uh, I don't talk about this very often, but I was dyslexic as a young boy and, uh, you know, teachers would notice it, you know, and they would diagnose it. But, but I think in general, people, you know, didn't realize it. And I kind of also had a a challenge sometimes, you know, forming the right sentence, finding the right word, et cetera. But I really kind of covered it up really well. I coped with it really well. So I don't think people noticed it. And now if it's there, I don't even notice it. I don't even know if it's there anymore. I just kind of have moved on, I guess. Those are called compensatory skills. I learned that when I had the uh, psychological evaluation before I had my brain surgery they wanted it as a baseline. And the psychologist looked at me and said, you have amazing compensatory skills. And I said, part of it is because I want to hide and I don't want people to focus on that part of me. I'd rather them focus on other things. Um, But part of it is, is that I'm not going to let something stand in my way. If I want to achieve it or I want to have it, I'm not going to let the struggles that I have determining. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm curious, how do your kids perceive all this? So, you know, you had your own concerns about, Hey, am I being a, you know, a good enough mom? I, you know, in the bed, I'm tired. I've got migraines, etc. Now that they're adult, how would you say that they look back on it and perceive you throughout that challenge? I do think that they look back on it and they know that that was a very difficult time period for me. But I think if they, if you were to ask them, I think that they would say, my mom is a fighter. Mm. She fought every step of the way. And that's very common among people who struggle. And that's why I love overcomers. Mm -hmm. They have a choice with my ministry The foundational part of my ministry is that people who go through struggles have a choice. They can live in defeat or they can fight to overcome. Now, sure, you're going to live in defeat right after the diagnosis or the huge trauma in your life. You're going to want to give up, but it's those overcomers who say, I'm not going to live there. Well, and that's very much why I feel like our shows are so connected because that's exactly, you know, the impetus of my show was my parents being Holocaust survivors. And many people who go through that kind of life trauma, you know, can choose a pot, you know, choose a negative path after that. And, and my parents chose something different. So that's so much speaks to why I was connected to, to what you're doing. So if I could, I, um, I want to talk about some of the titles of the various podcasts that you've, you've done. 
you know, you've covered some really diverse and, you know, intense concepts, you know, human trafficking, healthy living, sexuality, faith, and parenting, you know, joy and laughter. I love that. Uh, the gift of grief. Um, so talk to me a little bit about all these, these intense themes that you've touched on and what you've learned from some of the overcomers that you've brought into your ministry. Well, it's been over the last seven years. So I have interviewed almost 90 women during that time. And it's been a variety of different struggles. I specifically did not want it to be all one struggle because that would make my audience very, very small. So I have done stories about different types of cancer, stomach cancer, breast cancer, of course, um, throat cancer. So definitely have covered the, the health things. I've also done some mental illness and some chronic illness, for example, lupus or uh, multiple sclerosis, that type of thing, Crohn's, have done some tragedies where have lost their children and how that impacts them. And, and you also mentioned the ones on the podcast and all of those stories have such an incredible impact on the lives of the person that's going through the struggle, but mm-hmm. also all the people that they are in community with, whether it's their family or their neighborhood or their church family, people are watching when we struggle. Yeah. And I find that there are a group of people that really have no clue how they would deal with a circumstance if a struggle were thrown in their path. They just don't get it. And so they're watching those of us that have struggled. And some of the lessons that I've learned over these seven years is you can be down for a while. And most of us are after we are given that diagnosis or we are facing a trauma, such like that. These women say, no, I'm not going to continue to live there. I have more out of my life that I want to gain. It could be a new passion. It could be family. It could be whatever their job is. Several of the ladies that I've interviewed took what they struggled with and it turned into their passion because they said, I went through horrific sexual abuse when I was a child. And I have found healing and recovery from that. And I want to be there and guide others to that same recovery in sexual abuse. And I have probably five to seven women who have started ministries that deal with how to help with sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. They write books. They, out, they go out and speak. They help in the community. So there is so much to gain from seeing people, not, not who do it right, because there isn't a right way, but who say, yes, this sucked. What happened to me was awful, but I have something in me that I still want to give to others. And I want to, I, I want my life to have meaning. And so they don't let that struggle, whatever it is, health or mental illness or some trauma They don't let it define them and derail them from a productive life. Well, I think that's one of the things that I find to be such a gift 
from my show, and I'm sure you feel exactly the same way as you just expressed, is that whether every story, every person I, I talk to, uh, when I see their resilience, it makes me want to tap in deeper to my own. Sure. Uh, and, and, and the goal is, you know, that hopefully the audience uh, is, is getting that exact same benefit. So I completely relate. One of the, one of the things I do uh, every episode, uh, Melanie, is I, I pick out a quote that I think will resonate with my guest of that day. So I picked out a quote for you and I just want to have you ponder it and, and kind of respond to how, uh, how it lands on you. Great. So here it is. It says, challenges are what makes life interesting. Overcoming those challenges is what makes life meaningful. I'm going to have to laugh, not because it's a bad quote, but it's one of the quotes that I use on the shirts for my ministry. Oh, you're kidding me. <laughs> I did not know that. That's going to sound like it was planned. That's so no, funny. It wasn't. I promise your audience it was not <laughs> planned, but that really cracks me up because as you started saying it, I'm like, there's, this is crazy. Yeah, that's I, 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 you know, I always spend, you know, a good 30 minutes and search the internet and search Facebook until I can find a quote that I'm like, I think this one's right. And that was the one I picked. So there I'll you have go. to take a picture of me wearing it and then you can add it to the podcast notes. I absolutely will. That's hilarious. So, so uh, obviously it resonates with you because it happens to be a quote that you've uh, put to use, but talk to us a little bit about how and why it resonates with you. Well, Overcoming is not just a one-time decision. It's something that you honestly have to do every day. And, and I already referred to this earlier is the fatigue is still something that, that is a struggle for me. And it probably will be for the rest of my life. And I'm not trying to be negative. I'm trying to be real. Yeah. I, I could shut my life down and not tutor and not write, not do podcasts, and just spend the rest of my life in bed. But I want that meaningful life. Mm -hmm. I want a legacy for my boys. I want to impact others positively. And that's the part of overcoming that makes it not a one-time event. It's a journey. And to me, the journey is where you find those small gifts. You find the meaning in your life. And so... That's why that quote, I'm still just smiling because how you pick that quote. <laughs> there was um, many to pick from. There was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds to pick from. That was the one I picked. Yes. So that, that really kind of sums up why I use it for my ministry too. And it, when I sent out an email to the ladies that I had interviewed and said, here is the new shirt for the ministry, they were equally as excited because they want people to know that what they are going through has meaning and is making for a meaningful life in their lives. So as I often do on this show, and thank you for sharing that, um, you know, I, I like to try to get into someone's brain a little bit about how they go about making choices. And in this case, in your case, we're talking about, you know, making choices about, you know, facing the challenges and overcoming things and having the positive attitude. Talk to us a little bit about your process when you're, when you, when you hit a fork in your road, like a, a, yes. a, a physical challenge comes up or you're not motivated to do a podcast on a particular day, but it's there. How do you kind of go about getting over that hump? Like what is your internal process, that internal voice 
you know, what tools do you use? What people do you go to? Talk to us a little bit about how you make those choices to stay positive. It's a great question because it is something that you have to do intentionally. That's right. If, if you wake up and you're having a bad day from the minute that you roll out of bed, you could just let that spiral out of control. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the day, you look back and you think, wow, I wasted today. Or you can take that bad day, that bad start to the day. I talk to myself. I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, you have so many great things in your life. You are going to have a rough day every now and then, but you have to keep going. And part of the tagline for my zigzag in one podcast is when life zigs and zags, and we know that it will Mm -hmm. keep moving forward. And so that's part of what I say. There's, there are weeks and I love tutoring. Please hear me when I say that, but there are weeks that the fatigue wants to keep me from tutoring. Mm -hmm. And I say, you got to keep moving forward. You, you owe it to these kids. They need your help. They are more successful when you are there pouring into them. And so I do a lot of self-talk. Now, one of the things that you and I didn't talk about before, but is very motivational for me is I had a tattoo put on my left bicep that says overcomer. And I use flowers to represent all that I have gone through. So at this point, I have eight flowers to represent the stroke and all the many strokes that I've had. So I had four before my surgery and I had three very small ones after my surgery. So each time that I had an event, I would add a flower. And I said from the beginning, after I did the first three flowers, I said, if I end up having a sleeve and a garden of flowers, I will keep going. I am not giving up. I love that. And so right now I have eight flowers and it's been eight flowers for about three years. And I'm hoping that we're done with the garden. (laughs) And I also have a dragonfly that represents my brain surgery. So Mm. as much as I talk to myself when I'm looking at myself in the mirror, I also flex my bicep because that's exactly where it is. Because as much as all of those neurological events wanted to make me weak, that is your bicep is where most people look to somebody's body for strength. And so that's why it's there. But I will look in the mirror and talk to myself and look at that bicep and say, you're an overcomer. You got this. You got to keep moving forward. And it sounds kind of hokey. Maybe. I don't know. Not to me. It sounds like positive affirmations. It is. And, you know, when I was a kid, people said, you're crazy if you talk to yourself. And I'm saying, you're crazy if you don't. Because there's a lot of research that shows you believe what you hear your own voice say. And if you're saying, oh, my life is horrible. Oh, today is terrible. Then that's what you're going to believe. And I use that with my students all the time. Because they they want to go down that rabbit trail of negative self-talk as well. Well, my, uh, my, my kids make fun of me all the time because if I have a meeting or a speech I'm giving or whatever, I'm in the shower rehearsing the whole thing and they're like, dad's crazy. I'm like, well, I'm just preparing. (laughs) Maybe you are, but crazy may not be bad in this case. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So look, you've done 90 plus stories uh, of people within your, you know, for your podcast and in your ministry. 
And I, I'm not at all suggesting that, you know, you would need to pick one, but maybe could you reference to the audience a couple that really stood out to you that were inspirational or significant? That is hard to do. That's like picking your favorite child. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I hate to do that to you, but I'm doing it. Because they all have special <laughs> parts to it. Yeah. For the longest time, I said that my one that probably impacted me the most was Miss Helen that was a 93-year-old Holocaust survivor, which is mm. why I'm very excited about interviewing your mom for, for my my ministry. What I say about why that was so important to me was you read about the Holocaust in the books and it impacts you. You may see it on a movie and it impacts you. So I also had the opportunity to sit two rows away from Anne Frank's stepsister as she recounted her journey during the Holocaust, which was even more impactful than a book or a movie. But then I sat in Miss Helen's apartment it, it was no more than 18 inches away from a Holocaust survivor. And it really undid me. I got in the car after I finished and I cried mm-hmm. because I felt her pain. I felt her struggle, but what I really felt, and this is the whole beauty of the overcomer ministry, man, she was tough. She had grit. She had such a positive attitude and said, those Nazis, they were mean to me. They were nasty way they treated us. But that was, that happened when I was 18. I was not going to let what happened for 180 days dictate the rest of my life. That's right. And it was just beautiful. And I just sobbed in my car because it was so impactful. My parents, who of course are also Holocaust survivors, they talk a lot about how you know, if they get negative or they allow themselves to be defeated, then the Nazis will have won, even in their defeat, like militarily. And so their choice to be positive and have a positive impact and enjoy life and enjoy their family and travel and all that is is part of the victory. You know, and she said almost those exact words. She said, I'm not going to let them win. That's right. So it, it was beautiful. So I'll, I can think of two others. Another one was a young girl that at 16 years old ran away from home and knew she needed to get a job here in Atlanta. And she answered a newspaper ad about a call center and they invited her to come to the location. And as soon as she got there, they invited her in the door, slammed the door and locked it. And three men raped her and said, you are now ours. And so for six months, she was sex trafficked here in Atlanta. And miraculously, I'm I'm giving God the credit because she escaped. Mm. And during that time, she was tattooed by her trafficker with his symbol, his sign, whatever. I don't I don't know specifically what that looked like because I didn't ask. But after she went through her healing She said, I need to get this tattoo covered because it just reminds me of all the pain and the hurt and the trauma. And so she had her tattoo covered. And now she has a ministry here in Atlanta called Atlanta Redemption, Inc. Wow. And I don't know what number she is up to. I think it's close to 200 survivors that she has helped 
cover their marks of hurt with marks of hope, a new cover-up tattoo. <laughs> and that, that ministry, every time I see her post on Facebook or Instagram, it just hits me how powerful a tattoo can be. And I know it from my own personal experience, but I'm not covering any kind of pain or hurt up. They are. And what she's doing is just unbelievably incredible. That's, that's awesome. And it's so awesome that your vehicle could be a vehicle for her as well to, uh, to be part of her journey to, to create this positive outcome out of something so, so challenging. Yeah. And just recently for National Literacy Month, I met a girl named Kathy who had just a couple of months before donated part of her liver to mm. a person who had serious liver damage or not damage, but a disease. And so when I was speaking with Kathy, she just very nonchalantly said, yeah, I didn't learn how to read until I was 24. Mm -hmm. And what made it so remarkable is she is not only a special ed teacher, she's also an administrator at a public school. And so she learned how to read by the man that she was dating at the time and then married him. And he was determined and he, they made a choice together. We are going to spend our evenings learning how to read. We're going to read. We're going to write. We're going to hear it read out loud. And she has taken her struggles and done what I said earlier, ministered to the exact people in a school environment because the literacy rate in our nation is just atrocious. It is. Well, Melanie, it's, it's, it's really powerful to hear, you know, not only your overcomer journey, but then how you've turned that into a vehicle for other people who have overcome. And now you're, you're spreading that to a, a wider audience through so many vehicles. So it's, it's totally inspiring, very much in alignment with what uh, I believe in as well. Let me ask you in closing, is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you feel like would be a significant message to the audience in terms of just making clear choices? Well, I appreciate you asking me that question because I could go on forever. So you are going to have to limit me on this. Um, <laughs> I think there are people out there who feel ill-equipped and they feel like they need the latest book or they need to go to the latest conference to learn how to live better and how to get through tough and challenging times. And Yes, those things help, but really it comes from deep down within us. And we have, we have to pull that out. Yes, people can encourage you, your, your husband, your wife, um, your best friend could encourage you to, to fight. But it's really a, a decision, a choice that we all have to make. And sometimes you have to make it daily. Sometimes you have to make it multiple times a day. I know the people that I've interviewed that are, um, coming out of addiction and have been free from that drug or alcohol for years, they make that decision every single day not to be drawn back into that black hole. And so we all have the power within us to do that. Now, I have a very strong faith and I believe God is part of that as well. But I think that we can pull from within and encourage ourselves and make that determination and choice not to give up, that we can keep fighting no matter what happens. Because I, I know that even though I've gone through these struggles, 
there will probably be some other struggle later on in my life. And it could threaten to take me under then. But I am of the mindset, and I make it daily, to have a positive attitude about life, to be grateful for the things in my life, and to never give up, no matter what's happening. That's, that is awesome. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a huge believer in the, the simplicity of persistence. Yes. Uh, and, uh, and you've just uh, encapsulated that very well. Uh, Melanie, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you being on the show today. Really appreciate your message, and we're going to promote your podcast and your ministry in our show notes, so uh, I hope people come and check you out. I appreciate it so much, Rob. It was great talking with you. Awesome. Thanks so much. This has been another episode of Clear Choices. Tune in next week. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much for joining us. If you've been inspired and motivated by what you heard today, please subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. Post it on social media, invite friends, and let me know if you have any potential guests. While you're there, leave us a review. We'd love to connect with you as well, so check out our Facebook page by searching Clear Choices. I'm available for speaking engagements, and you can find more information by visiting our website at clearchoices.live. And all this can be found in our show notes. Join us next week for more inspiring stories that can help us all make clear choices. Thanks for listening.